The Arizona Cardinals release wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins. Should the New York Giants make a pitch for him? We're going to look at the pros and cons, and I'm going to tell you what I think happens coming up next on the Locked On Giants podcast. You are Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to another edition of the Locked On Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. My name is Patricia Trina. Happy Memorial Day weekend to everybody. We're coming to you on Memorial Day. I actually taped this show on Friday night because I wanted you to have something for Monday as well as I wanted to have a day off. So uh, it kind of works out pretty well, I think. But uh, thank you all the same for tuning in, making us your first listen of the day or watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. And uh, today's episode of the Lockdown Giants podcast is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Lockdown today to get started. And on today's show, show, I'm going to talk about wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins, who, as of Friday, was released by the Arizona Cardinals. Now, DeAndre Hopkins was a guy that I know a lot of people back earlier in the offseason, people were basically hoping the Giants would somehow find a way to acquire him. Well, now DeAndre Hopkins is an unrestricted free agent, free to sign with whatever team offers him the best deal. And I'm going to give you reasons why the Giants should go after him. I'm going to give you reasons why they shouldn't. And then I'm going to tell you what I think is going to happen. And then at the end of the show, time permitting, I have some questions that came in from my, uh, my text group community, um, details of which are in the show notes, by the way. It's just, this is a new service that we're offering here on the Lockdown Giants podcast. And you know, through this service, I'm able to see your questions. They get right in front of me. They go right to my inbox. So this way I don't miss them. And I'm also able to send out updates as need be, you know, through a text uh, chain that goes to everybody who signs up. So if you want more information on that, do check out the show notes because it's all there for you. Okay, let's get right down to business on DeAndre Hopkins. And I'm going to start off with some reasons why the Giants should absolutely positively go and make an effort to sign this guy. First off, um, I expect Joe Shane, Giants general manager, to do, do, to do due diligence on this, uh, on this prospect. I mean, Shane, if he didn't place a call, you know, to, to find out, you know, what Hopkins is looking for, where his mind is at and all that stuff, Shane wouldn't be doing his job. And if he's not doing his job, then what good is he, right? And I think so far we can all agree that Shane has done a pretty good job with what he's been asked to do. So why should the Giants go after DeAndre Hopkins? I'm going to give you a few reasons. Number one, right now, other than Darren Waller, who is a tight end, who is the Giants' legitimate number one wide receiver? Who is it? The answer is they don't have one right now. They have a bunch of maybe twos, some threes, some fours, and so forth, but they don't have a legitimate number one receiver, all right? 
Now, are they hoping that maybe somebody that they have amongst the 14 receivers that they, they currently have on the roster develops into a number one? Sure. Are they maybe thinking that Darren Waller is going to be their de facto number one receiver? Absolutely. That seems to be the plan. But going back to the point about do they have a legitimate number one amongst their young guys? They don't. And, you know, if they were to strike up a short-term deal with DeAndre Hopkins, they would get themselves a legitimate number one, a guy who has had six 1,000-yard receiving seasons. And in the meantime, they could find out if maybe somebody else on the roster can develop into that legitimate number one receiver. So, you know, it's kind of like an insurance policy, if you will, in case these guys, you know, that you currently have on the roster don't quite pan out the way you hope they do. But um, that's certainly one reason to to make an argument for DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Number two, more speed on offense. I mean, you look, you can never have too many pass rushers. You can have never have too many cornerbacks. You can never have too much speed, especially on the offensive side of the ball. If the Giants want to keep up with the Joneses down in Dallas and the Luries in Philadelphia, they've got to have speed. And the more, the merrier. And to that end, I will point to the health concerns about the Giants receiving core. Now, I mentioned they have 14 guys under contract, but you've got three guys at least who are coming back. Actually, maybe four, if you count Jamison Crowder. You've got four guys that are coming back from injuries, right? Two of whom, Wandale Robinson and Sterling Shepard, probably will start training camp on PUP. So, you know, suddenly now you don't have as many receivers as you think you do. You do have Colin Johnson, who's coming back from, um, you know, a season-ending Achilles injury. You don't know where he's at. I mean, he should be okay, but, you know, has he lost anything? So, you know, you think, you look at the names that you have on the roster. It looks like you have speed. It looks like you've got guys. But just how healthy are these guys? And what kind of contribution can they make? Now, I know DeAndre Hopkins has had some injury issues himself. But, you know, this is a guy who just had a bad situation out in Arizona and um, really needed a change of scenery. The Giants, if they wanted to sign him, now they don't have to give up any draft capital to get him. On the contrary now, if they were to sign DeAndre Hopkins and he were to work out, fit into this offense, then maybe the Giants can look to trade one of the uh, receivers that they have to a receiver DD team at the end of you know the summer, you know, when teams are scrambling to get guys, you know, to fill needs because of injuries. So the Giants who don't have any extra draft picks in next year's draft as of this recording, um, maybe they can get somebody if you know they brought in Hopkins, he works out, and now they can trade. Um, I don't know, uh, you pick pick a name, I don't know, uh, one of the top four guys. Uh, and trade him to see if maybe they can get somebody, um, get an extra draft pick for next year. So that's another benefit. Um, Cost-wise, you know, you look at the salary cap situation, the Giants, they have a little bit of room. Um, I think it's one point, I want to say 1.8 million in effective cap space and 3.8 in um, total cap space. They can make room if they need to. Okay, there are ways they can make room um, 
to, to accommodate Hopkins. They can uh, obviously take a Dory Jackson's 11 million base salary and convert some of that into a signing bonus, some of which will get pushed into next year um, when the cap is supposed to go up. They could do the same thing with Leonard Williams if they wanted to. They could um, redo or extend, I should say, um, quarterback Tyrod Taylor. So there are ways the Giants can get more cap space if they need to. But the question is, is do they want to spend it on a number one receiver? Well, I'm going to talk about reasons why they shouldn't pursue DeAndre Hopkins coming up right after this. Hey, Giant fans, with so much sports action going on right now, there has never been a better time than ever before to visit FanDuel, America's number one sports book. That's because right now FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if their first bet doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on and sign up today to claim your no-sweat first bet. Get in on all the action of the sports world with great promotions, the safe and secure app to set your bets, and instant payouts. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked On Giants podcast. I'm your host, Patricia Trena, and we are coming to you on Memorial Day. Again, happy Memorial Day weekend. Hope you are having a relaxing weekend. And I want to thank you for tuning in to the Locked On Giants podcast on this long holiday weekend. Really appreciate it. We are talking to Andre Hopkins and why the Giants should and why they shouldn't go after him. And what do I think they will do? So I just got finished talking about reasons why they should go after him. Now I'm going to talk about reasons why they shouldn't go after DeAndre Hopkins. Um, You could start off with age. He's going to be 30 years old. Uh, Actually, I think he is 30 already. And that was an argument a lot of people made with Odell Beckham Jr. about not bringing him in because he was on the wrong side of 30. So when you combine that, and the fact that he's that Hopkins has had some injuries, probably not wise to invest big money in him. You know, this is a team that is not one receiver away, um, which is the same argument, if you recall, I made with Odell. If, you, if this team were one X receiver away, I'd say absolutely they should go out all in and, and don't take no for an answer, but they're not there yet. So the age... And the injury history of recent years um, makes Hopkins something of a risk, despite the fact, again, he has had six 1,000-yard receiving seasons. The other thing, and this is a big one that I don't think a lot of people are talking about, but we need to discuss it, is the fit in the Giants' offense. Now, what do I mean by that? If you look at how the Giants' receiver room has been built, it's basically been built with guys who are yards after catch specialists, not necessarily contested catch specialists, of which Hopkins, by the way, is. So now you're probably thinking, well, so what? They added a a contested catch guy in the mix. What's the harm? Well, they just moved on from one in Kenny Galladay. Remember how we were all saying, or most of us were saying that Galladay, you know, was he really a fit for what the Giants wanted to do? Production problems aside, health problems aside, attitude, whatever else contributed to Galladay's departure, um, he wasn't a fit for what this current Giants coaching staff wanted to do. 
So they moved on and they built up the receiver room with guys who are yards after the catch specialists, guys that can still get deep and they will go deep on occasion, but the big thing is going to be yards after the catch. So let me give you um, some numbers here. DeAndre Hopkins for his career, only 26% of his total yardage came after the catch. He has a 45.7% contested catch rate. Now that's all well and good, but uh, I mentioned it in, in the, uh, the, the, top, the first segment, how I thought Darren Waller was being looked at as the number one receiver, even though he's a tight end, the Giants going for that Travis Kelsey type of model. So I mentioned Darren Waller, and I'll just give you his numbers in the same categories to compare by. Okay, Waller, 45% of his career yardage after the catch. His contested catch rate is actually 55.2%. So the Giants kind of getting the best of both worlds there with Darren Waller, a guy who's big and, you know, has a big catch radius and can make the contested catch if need be, and a guy who can pick up yards after the catch, which, as I said, is what I think the Giants are looking to do in their receiving core. So Hopkins, you can make the argument that he just doesn't fit what the Giants are trying to build in the receiver room, despite the fact that he, you know, could he help them? Yeah, but is he a fit? No. And and certainly for the for the cost that would probably be involved, do you really want to use the resources, the financial financial resources on a guy who maybe isn't a fit? Um, along those lines, we talk about costs in order to get Hopkins. I'm guessing that it's probably going to take something similar to the one-year $15 million deal that the, that the Ravens gave to Odell. Um, that deal was actually for, it's one-year 15, but there's like, I think, three voidable years to help with the signing bonus. Again, folks, the Giants aren't one receiver away. They're just not. They don't have a lot of cap space. They're going to need whatever cap space they have now to get through the summer. They're going to probably have to clear more cap space. Now, more cap space will probably be cleared once training camp cuts are made. So is Hopkins a luxury for them? Probably. It would be a nice to have luxury, but a luxury nonetheless. And here's the other thing, folks, that I'll point out. Joe Shane last year was patient. You know, he had an opportunity, obviously, to trade for uh, a legitimate ex receiver, and he didn't give up assets. He had an opportunity at the beginning of the year, this year, to trade for an ex receiver and didn't do it. He didn't budge, you know. So he did, you know, acquire Darren Waller, but the, the cost for Darren Waller wasn't that bad. It was one of their two, three, third round draft picks. Shane has proven, if nothing else, that he's patient. He's not going to do a knee jerk, you know, make a knee jerk reaction. So I would be very surprised moving on to what I think the Giants would do. I would be very surprised if the Giants sign DeAndre Hopkins. Now, will they express an interest? You know, like I said, make a call to see where he's at, what he's thinking. Absolutely. I definitely see that happening. But I don't know that any conversations with him 
We'll get to the point where, okay, DeAndre, come in. We'll sit down. We'll talk. We'll talk numbers. We'll talk your role and all that stuff. Because to me, the cons of bringing in DeAndre Hopkins probably outweigh the pros. And I'm being objective here. This isn't what I would do. I mean, for me, I wrote an article on Giants Country and I said they absolutely should, you know, consider bringing him in for the reasons that I mentioned in the first segment of this show. But I'm looking at it objectively and also from the Giants perspective and what makes the most sense for the team. You know, Joe Shane, I mentioned how in the uh, at the end of last year, when he had his uh, year in presser, he said, look, there are a lot of number one receivers currently sitting at home and not in the playoffs. And then he added, look, would I like to have a number one receiver? Absolutely. But you kind of got the impression that he was willing to just wait until the right guy came along. And is a 30 plus year old guy who's coming off a couple of injured, injured seasons, um, who's had um, some production issues, is he the right guy? Probably not. If we're being honest with each, you know, with ourselves, probably not. And as such, I just don't think that Hopkins is, is going to be an option for the Giants. I mean, again, they'll kick the can, you know, they'll, they'll kick the tires, I should say. Um, but I would be very, very surprised if Hopkins comes here. Unless, you know, the other th- thing I haven't mentioned is that Hop- does Hopkins even want to come here? You know, if he has an opportunity to play for you know, Kansas City or the Eagles or the Ravens or even the Bengals or the Bills, teams that are probably closer to a Super Bowl championship, don't you think he would maybe uh, consider those teams faster as opposed to the Giants? So, you know, there was a, a, a tweet put out about uh, an appearance that Hop- that Hopkins made on a podcast in which he named the five, you know, five teams that he would, wouldn't mind joining. Giants weren't one of them. Now, obviously that could change if he came in and he visited and he liked what he heard and everything like that, but it takes two sides to make a deal. And I just don't get the impression that Joe Shane's going to suddenly reverse course after building that receiver room with yards after catch specialists. And, um, you know, I think the money that would otherwise go towards a Hopkins will probably go to in another direction. What direction? I don't know, but that's how I kind of see this playing out. So bottom line, doesn't matter what I want. Doesn't matter what anybody else wants. It's what the Giants want. And I don't think Hopkins is going to be an option for this team. Hopefully I'm wrong because, again, I'd like to see him in Giant Blue, but I have a feeling I'm not here. So we'll see how it plays out. We will see. Plenty of time, obviously. All right. Coming up next, I have a few questions submitted by the listeners that I want to answer. These were submitted by members of the text community. I'll tell you more about that right after this. All right, Giant fans, welcome back to the Locked On Giants podcast, Memorial Day edition. That's right. Keeping up with the five-day-a-week coverage. And speaking of coverage, on tap this week, the Giants are back at OTAs on Tuesday, Media access, the next media access will be Wednesday. I will be there. I intend to be there at any rate. Um, And as I did last week, I will uh, produce a podcast for you just as soon as I possibly can. 
once I get home um, with observations, takeaways and all that good stuff for you to check out. And then we'll just keep on rolling right along as we work our way through the rest of spring football. So hope you will check out the episodes. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you to my everydayers, to my new people and everybody in between. You are all very important to me. I love you guys and I appreciate you guys. And speaking of which, I want to get to some questions submitted by the Locked On Giants sub-community that we have. Basically, this is a, a text group that we started, details of which are in the show notes, but I'll tell you about it real quick. So what we're doing is we have a new service where I send out text messages to a, a list, you know, updates and stuff that aren't necessarily going to be found in Giants country, aren't necessarily going to be here on, on the podcast. Um, so it's kind of like an exclusive type of deal. And, you know, the people who are on this list, they can respond back to me. It's really cool. It's, it's uh, actually called subtexting. So they can respond back to me and I can, I can have one-on-one conversations with uh, the people on that list. And what's good about it is, is that unlike on my Twitter account and on my Instagram account, where I get so many mentions and whatnot, and try as I might, I do try to keep up with all of them, but there's just not enough hours in the day, number one. And number two, sometimes I miss stuff. And that really bothers me when I miss stuff, because look, if I, if I can, I want to respond to you. Unfortunately, it doesn't always work that way. You know, sometimes I miss a, an ask P train or I miss a, an email, you know, lately some of my emails have been going to spam, which is, you know, absolutely been driving me crazy, but this is a great way to keep in touch with me. We're offering a special uh, trial free for, for the first 14 days. If you like the service, then you can continue with the promo code P train and that will get you two months for the price of one. Normal monthly price is $4.99 a month. So with this P train promo code, you will get two months for the price of one. So it comes out to $2.50 per month, you'd be bell. You can cancel anytime. So you don't have to sign up for like a year-long contract or anything like that. You cancel anytime. The minute you cancel, uh, you won't be billed any any further for um for the coverage. And um it's really easy to sign up for. So all the details, including the link to sign up are in the show notes, check it out. And uh, that page will also give you some Q&A, some basic Q&A as to how the service works. So do check it out. And on that note, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to answer some of these questions that came in. So let's get this started. Okay. So the first question I have here is from Ken Peters, um, who asks, is there a fixed date where the team can cut a player and recover their salary or a portion of it. Um, okay. I think I know what you're talking about, Ken. Yes, there is. If a player doesn't have guaranteed money and he's not on the roster as of the first week. And I, I think the date, the cutoff date is the first Thursday uh, is the Thursday of the first week of the season. So you have your cut down date. And then I think teams have like, um, I want to say 48 hours to get their cap squared away. And that's with, you know, practice squatters, reserve lists and all that stuff. So if a player is not on the roster, um, yeah, they can, they can recoup some of the money. So that's why a lot of times, Ken, you will see teams wait until week two of the season to sign a veteran that, that was cut um, because now his salary, his full salary 
prorates. It doesn't count in full against the cap. So I think that's what you were you, you were getting at. Um, so hopefully that answers your question, Ken. Thank you for um, subscribing to the subtext community and for the question as always. All right. Uh, let me see who's up next here. Mike McKenzie just wanted to see if there was a reasonable chance Sterling Shepard won't make the team. And if not, do you know if he's considered coaching? Mike, you know, I don't know if Sterling Shepard is going to be ready to go uh, for training camp, let alone for the start of the regular season. So in that regard, yeah, you could say there's a, a realistic chance he won't make the team. Now, will they flat out cut him? I don't know that they will this year, but I can't imagine they're going to keep bringing him back indefinitely because he is getting up there in age. You know, he's had a couple now of lower body injuries that have been significant. So I think, you know, at some point they're going to move on. Now, has Sterling considered coaching? I think he's thought about it. I don't know, you know, if he's really, you know, ready to roll into that. I know he's got, you know, a couple of young children, two young daughters, beautiful girls. Um, So coaching is just such a time commitment. I don't know if Sterling would maybe want to do it full-time, at least while his little, you know, his girls are still young, but might he look to do it as he gets older and those kids get older? Possibly. So, you know, but would the Giants maybe like to keep Sterling around for the example he sets and the character he brings? Yeah, absolutely. Why not? So, uh, so yeah, that's how I see that situation playing out. All right. Next question comes from Lenny Gerardo. Which rookies drafted or undrafted after round five surprised or impressed in OTAs? Lenny, that's a tough one. And I'll tell you why that's a tough one. Because the one OTA that we saw was primarily run as a walkthrough. And we can't, you know, I got to see these guys in full pads. I can't just tell, you know, with walkthroughs, I can't just tell when they're, you know, doing plays at half speed. So Lenny, you know, too soon to say, I would say, hold on to that question, circle back with me, um, or like a week or so into training camp, I could start to give you some ideas as to, you know, who's looking good and who's impressing and who we've got to keep an eye on. Right now, just too soon to say. So I'm sorry, I can't answer the question, but I don't want to, you know, just throw out a name, just throw out a name. And then, you know, I wouldn't be doing you any any favors and, you know, that's not fair to you. So, all right. Next question comes from Andrew Carmody. uh, And he asks, let me see. Is there anything you can mention about Jalen Hyatt? Is he working on route running or how is the coaching staff working with him? Okay, Andrew, right now, the coaching staff in these OTAs are working with everybody on the basics, the fundamentals. So yes, route running is part of it. Yes, ball skills is part of it. Cutting is part of it. Um, Avoiding blocks, avoiding traffic, um, hanging onto the ball, ball security, all part of it. But it's a teaching camp. So it's almost, I don't want to say like football one-on-one, but it's, that's kind of the idea. They're kind of working towards getting these guys up to snuff because for some of them, they haven't played football in, in months. 
So it's get everybody up to snuff, take care of the basics, show them how you want them to do certain things as it fits into your coaching philosophy and your scheme, and then go from there. So um, again, circle back with me like a couple weeks into training camp, and I can give you some more detail about how Jalen Hyatt is looking with route running versus what I might've seen on tape when he was in college. And I'll be happy to go into more detail on that for you. All right. We have a couple more. All right. Karen Benkat, which players look good to you that were not draft picks, the invitees that caught your eye, any unexpected players that could make the roster. Okay. Karen, again, same answer. Um, I can't tell just off one padless non-contact practice. Um, right now, what, you, what I'm looking at or what I'm seeing at these practices, I'm watching fundamentals. I'm watching the drills. Okay. Like for example, I, I was talking with somebody and I made the comment about how Daniel Bellinger looked smoother running his routes as opposed to Tommy Sweeney, who I thought was lumbering, you know, so little things like that I can tell, but for me to sit here and, and say that, oh, this guy really stood out, you know, or this guy didn't. I wouldn't be doing them justice. I wouldn't be do. It wouldn't be fair to you to just throw out a name on the assumption that, oh, you know, you didn't see it. So I could throw out a name and you won't know any better. That's not what I'm all about. But give me a couple of weeks into training camp. I'm happy to talk about that. Maybe we'll even see some of that. Who knows? Maybe we'll even see some of that in the mandatory mini camp, which albeit is padless and no contact you know, it's probably a little closer to what a training camp practice is going to be minus the pads, minus the lack of contact. So, uh, or minus the contact, excuse me. So Karen, please circle back with me on that. Um, Plenty of time to address that question. And I will address that because obviously, as you can see, you are not the only person who asked me that question. All right. One more today. And this is from Brian Betts, who asks, what is your take on Joe Shane hiring Ryan Cowden? Any significance? Um, Brian, Ryan Cowden and Joe Shane, I believe, worked together at one point in Carolina. But the significance, I think Cowden's title, if I'm not mistaken, is assistant to the GM or something to that effect. Titles really don't mean much um, with Joe Shane and this, this regime here. But as far as the significance goes, um, it's a guy, obviously, that Shane is familiar with. But more importantly, you now have a nice variety of people who, with whom Shane has worked. But if somebody leaves, now somebody can absorb the other guy's responsibilities. For example, you think that assistant GM Brandon Brown is going to be around forever? I don't. I can conceivably see him being called upon for GM positions in the not too distant future. So if he leaves, then who knows, maybe Ryan Cowden becomes the assistant GM. Maybe Dennis Hickey becomes the assistant GM. The point is, is that if you're Joe Shane, you want to surround yourself with as much talent, football talent as possible. So that if somebody leaves, you have a backup. It's like a roster. Um, You build up your starting offensive line, but you need to have depth in case somebody gets injured or somebody leaves in free agency or whatnot. Kind of the same idea with the front office. You want to have depth. You want to make sure you have guys and or ladies in this case who can step in and take on the responsibilities of someone who maybe leaves for a better opportunity. 
So that would be the significance of um, the Giants hiring Ryan Cowden. Um, he's, he wasn't given uh, the title that Chris Pettit once held, which I think was director of college scouting, if I'm not mistaken, um, because again, titles don't mean anything in, with this regime. So hopefully that answers your question. Thank you for asking the question. And again, thank you to all my subtext communities members who sent in questions. And look, the Q&A is not just limited to my subtext community people, but uh, they do get preference. You know, they get first dibs. But if you have a question and you're not a subtext community member, you can still send it to me. You could tweet it to me. You could post it on in the uh, YouTube comments. And I'll do my best to answer as many of them as I can. But really, you know, if you want to be assured of getting it in front of me, the subtext seems to be the best way to, to go. So again, check that service out. And you're also supporting uh, my efforts here at the Locked on Giants podcast, which are, of course, appreciated. So that's going to do it for us here on today's edition of the Locked on Giants podcast. Again, happy Memorial Day weekend to everybody. Thank you for tuning in making us your first listen of the day or watching on YouTube, your first watch of the day. We'll see you tomorrow, Giant fans. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. 96% of Grammarly users say that it helps them craft more impactful writing. Would you agree? Grammarly helped adjust my tone to navigate tough work conversations. And it works everywhere I write, so I can quickly communicate effectively. Your teammate used Grammarly to summarize an important document, making a three-pointer. How did he do it? It only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. You made an incredible slam dunk to end the game. The meeting was canceled, and your team will go home champions. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.